0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Ministry Matters podcast. My name is Rowan and along with my wife Jill, we serve as the lead pastors of a three small location multi-site church, C3 Camden, Picton and Thoreau in southwestern Sydney and the Illawarra. On this podcast, Jill and I discuss all matters ministry and share some of the things we've learned and are still learning along the way in our 30 plus years of pastoral ministry experience. Our particular hope that this podcast will be of help to small church pastors and their teams and encourage you to continue to minister effectively to the wonderful people that God has entrusted into your care. that we express on this podcast are our own and not necessarily those of the church or denomination that we're a part of. We'd love to hear from you if you have any feedback, any comments or suggestions on any topics you'd like us to discuss in future episodes. to find out more about us or our church, check out the show notes for links to all the relevant socials and websites. So without any further ado, let's get into today's conversation.
1: Hello and welcome. It's great to have you with us today.
0: Hey, welcome everybody to another episode.
1: We are excited to be back with you today. Yeah, this is like our
0: second batch of recording. We're just starting our second batch of recording. We did a bulk over a couple of days, didn't we? The first seven episodes, I think it was.
1: Yeah, and thank you for your feedback. It's been really encouraging to have some feedback. Mm, People have been saying that it's very real, which is what we want Yep, and that it's relevant and it's encouraging. And so that's cool.
0: Yeah. Keeping people inspired and keeping, keeping, you know, supporting one another. I think that's the thing in pastoral ministry and in church life. It can be, can be challenging. It can be dangerous. It's so dangerous, not the wrong choice of word. I'm still getting clarity. Dangerous. It can be dangerous. <laughs> Maybe in the United States, it can be dangerous. Um, it could be my head is, I've had the flu. So my, I was only chatting with Edwina and our location pastor mm. this morning saying, I think I'm feeling better today. I think I've turned a corner. And then I was saying some really stupid stuff that showed my head is still <laughs> still brain fried. So no, pastoral ministry shouldn't be dangerous. It can be, it can be complicated. <laughs> it can be challenging. It can be discouraging. I don't know how dangerous came out of discouraging, but discouraging. that was the word I was looking for. But but, you know, we're we're all in this together and so even, you know, we're sort of hoping that even through this podcast we might uh, be able to generate a bit of a support community where we can support one another, those in, especially those in pastoral ministry, um, small churches. We can potentially support one another, encourage one another, spur one another on to keep going because uh, we've had some great feedback that that's been an encouragement. So thank you for those that have provided that feedback. That's been an encouragement to us.
1: Yeah, and I think someone said refreshing. That was the other word, which was nice. Refreshing in that in our realness. And uh, that is totally the case. We are far from polished. Yep, I would have and, edited out uh,
0: the word dangerous if I was <laughs> not if I was really going to be polished, but it's still in there because I haven't bothered to edit it. Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, so let's jump in. We're talking today about uh, what are we looking for when we are looking around at uh, raising a leader or getting someone to, you know, trying to find someone to join our team, uh, looking at who might be someone who we uh, might want to have develop developed, yep. uh, have put into a, you know, uh, invite them to take on a, a new role we might be putting together. It's it obviously depends on, you know, the size of a church and what we're doing.
0: I think any church, regardless of size, should be wanting to develop new leaders and and, and grow just through, because that's part of, I mean, we had Pastor Margaret and Bob drummed it into us that our job as pastors, as young pastors was to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So regardless of the size of the church, we don't hang on to everything. We should be wanting to develop leaders of all different uh, spheres of life, uh, ages of life, stages of life, and that that's fundamental to what we're called to do, isn't it? So,
1: that's right. I think it's definitely the case for smaller churches that we need to be uh, a team. Really, mm. uh, I would say. I guess what I meant when I was saying it depends on the size of the church was more if if it's a uh, you know if it's if it's a larger church and you're wanting to put someone into a role, it might you know it might be yeah, you know, where it's got a position, description and requirement and expectation around it, that might be a little bit more. Um,
0: a bit more advanced than just appointing a someone. A bit more than
1: the starting point of, you know, sure. inviting someone to be your co-leader in yeah. a connect group. But yeah. we all still need to be doing that as well.
0: Totally. I think I mean, that's the thing is maybe, you know, if you're a pastor listening to this, this is hopefully hopefully our experience, you can learn from this and be encouraged that, uh, you, this is something you can show to your teams because if you've got a worship team or a hosting team or a setup team or a pack-up team or or a kids team, um, all of them should be looking at how we can bring someone along the journey with them. I was talking to our friend Pastor Turbo, what a cool name Pastor Turbo is, uh, at C3 Bangkok that we support yesterday and he was reminding me of how I'd shared with him and he was refer- referring back to how they're working very strongly on uh, some advice I gave them when I was there in last november and then even time we, yeah, prior we, met, we met with them
1: didn't we last november we when we were there and we actually we specifically talked to turbo and around uh turbo you can't be the pastor that does everything yourself yes that's right stop having everything in your own head yep. stop trying to be be all things to all people mm. you know you've got a good team here give them yeah. some and shout out to turbo
0: he has done that i mean i was there right before covid and and that's what i challenge them everyone that everyone of the leaders thinking about who can they have there and and over COVID, they've developed a fantastic team of people. It's a small church in a in a you know predominantly Buddhist country, but they've got a good core group of people as a team, shared effort now, and that's very exciting. And he was saying, you know, he reminded me of how I'd said, and he they kept talking as a team about that whole thing of who's going with you, who can you who can you bring along, who would replace you if you weren't here tomorrow. And I think regardless of the size of the church or the stage of ministry, whether you're in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s or your 60s none of us should be wanting to hold on to our roles. Pastor Mark Kelsey, I've heard him say, you know, hold on to it as um, as tightly enough to do something with it, but loosely enough to let it go when God calls you to let it go. And and that requires humility and willingness to raise up and, and want to actually genuinely see others, whether they're younger or older, propelled off our shoulders to go further than we've ever gone. And so maybe over these next two or three episodes, we might just talk to, some of that in terms of intergenerational stuff and how to raise younger people. It's different raising and equipping younger people than it is those that are middle-aged or those that are old, in, you know, those that maybe even boomers and older Gen Xs and so on. So we'll we'll deal with all of that over the next couple of episodes, won't we?
1: Yeah, we will. And uh, that's right. Regarding Turbo and meeting with the team last year, it's just come back to my mind that I remember sitting having... A meal with them one night, looking around the table, and uh, what was exciting was not just that he he was able to share the load and not be the pastor doing it all himself, but was there was a real buy in from that group of people that we are all leading, we are all this is this is a company of people that are leading this church. They 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 were buying into the vision, they were sharing the vision, they were they were front footed together. It wasn't the pastor out there on his own, trying to do it and then having, uh, you know, everybody else just turn up and then him trying to divvy up roles and, or give, divvy up um, responsibilities or tasks. He was saying to people, come on, you know, he was he was mm-hmm. inviting people to, to come into the, the dreaming stage. The dreaming
0: stage. There's a k- good key, uh, you know, isn't it? It's like if we're looking to refresh, maybe you're in a season where you need to re strategize or go again after COVID and the, long, the slow burn of the last few years. Uh, finding out who have we got around us they might not necessarily need to be super super able in terms of ability but who have we got around us who we could encourage and speak vision and inspiration and bring them into the conversation not just pitch vision at people but bring them into the conversation and say let's work collaboratively together on which is what Turbo, credit to Turbo, and he told me yesterday he's been listening to this podcast, so shout out, hey, Turbo. Hey, Turbo. Um, but, you know, that whole thing of how can we bring people into the conversation so they can be a part of the solution and and uh, being a part of solving the challenges that we
1: face. That's right. And when you think of Jesus and the way he, uh, he worked, he engaged with the young, he engaged with the old, he engaged with rich, poor, sick, well-educated, uh, people who were, did I say rich? Yes, rich. Yep, people, rich. Who <laughs> people who were, people who were on the fringes people who of politically, society, there, politically right. People who were yep. from all different perspectives, yep. and I, I really love uh, that diversity that we see right through the Bible, and we see in the in uh, through the Gospels in the early church. And uh, I, I think that uh, sometimes we think of, oh, who am I taking with me? Who am I looking for as the person to. You know, to uh, get to to start to dream, to start to share responsibility, to start to, you know, that might be that might have a heart, that might have a sense that God is drawing them to or calling them to uh, step out in to another area and and to, um, you know, that, that might have an openness for um, for ministry, and I think sometimes we've thought, you know, and it is it, it does sometimes. It, default back to who what's most convenient yes and we do we, we can tend to ask people who are similar to us so we can tend to gravitate towards maybe our friends or people who are like us people who look like us sound like us who we relate to and just say hey you know can I get you to do this and that's that's probably normal and, and okay I think to we a have point. to be to a point but I think mm-hmm. we have to be quite intentional about looking beyond that otherwise we're not going to have a church that reflects the heart of God. Which is that the the church is diverse. That's right. Where we have different ethnicities, where we have different people of different ability.
0: Yeah, different ability, uh, different generation. Different
1: socioeconomic backgrounds, exactly. all of that which represent the gospel. And uh, now I get it, even like what you mentioned just then about turbo. Well their their context is they're, they on they they meet. Their church runs in a cafe on a university campus. So they're you know, mostly their congregation is going to be made up of university students. So that is a is a niche. That's a that's you know, that's their context. And some of us may have contexts that are are quite specific to uh, yeah, if you're, certain if you're, if
0: you're pastoring in a country, small country town, there's going to be a different demographic and context there. And you can bring that in, but as long as we are constantly thinking about how do we work with people who are different to us, because it, whether it's in a country town or in, in an urban, there's always going to be different people groups and different worldviews and different perspectives and different levels of socioeconomic income and all those things. And so, if we're just keeping that front and center, otherwise, we'll end up with a um, a church that's all the same. And there used to be a big school of thought around this. Oh, yeah, that works best if you just keep one niche. Problem is, it it may work best in terms of being able to just make everything smoother, but it doesn't represent the heart of God. Paul, the Apostle Paul's vision was for diversity with unity. Uh, was that people from you know every race and tribe and tongue, as it says in Revelation, people Gentile, Jew, slave free, male, female, all of that would be one in Christ. Uh, and so we need to, we need to be going in that direction of who's different from me, who might require some work on my part, but who could I invite into a conversation? Who could I invite into a role and give them, give them a perspective? And it just makes some of the churches I know that have done that incredibly well are some of the fastest growing churches, because now they're, they've got, they're opening themselves up to more people groups that they can reach.
1: Yeah, that's great. I love that. So what, uh, what, are we looking for, say if we're thinking about engaging with the younger generation, we're mm-hmm. thinking about uh, looking at the younger generation or wanting to have younger generation, you know, we, we are, we're in our 50s now, so younger generation, I mean like anything through from, you know, I guess, uh, you know.
0: Late teens to mid-30s teens, sort of thing. Late teens,
1: mid-30s, uh, what, what would we be looking at if we wanted to, uh, have more young people, have more of that younger generation uh, involved. We might, we might look around us, like you say. It might be a time for a bit of a review, a bit of a let's, let's take stock of where we're at. And go, well, what, where are the gaps? What do we, what do we need? Where are we not seeing representation in our, in our church? Where, where do we want to, What do we want in that? Partly, it is about your vision as well. It's about where you, where you place. Like we, we just talked about. I think uh, just another thought that came to mind. I was on a Zoom last week. Um, which was with some people mainly in America actually and it was about uh, microchurch, the microchurch model. And I was just interested in learning a little bit more about that so I went and jumped onto that Zoom. It was like 8am here which was like evening in uh, Central America and there's was only about 40 people on the it's Zoom call. Central
0: America, she means Chicago time, not I mean, Central America as in uh, in Guatemala. No, no, but Central was,
1: United States, sorry. No. And uh, it was interesting hearing you know, they are talking about microchurch, which, you know, some of you may be you guys might be a part of. Uh, and that in that um in that
0: structure, you know, structure, structure that I
1: guess yeah. I guess we'll use it might be that your group totally is around families. And this is a little bit different again. You yes, that's just different because in, that becomes more or it might be it's around. A prison ministry, and you're probably not going to have kids involved if that if you're around a prison ministry, or it might be that you're going out, and some of them were talked about being in a tattoo parlor, mm-hmm. you know. So that just throwing this in that depending on your contexts, context, we are general. We're talking really about being church. We have three locations that we're are in suburban the suburbs. churches. Yes, we're in a, a rural community, semi semi rural community, little town, and two suburban. and two of our other locations are in uh, the suburbs. So I guess you know people might say, well. That this doesn't this is a little bit different for me because I I generally you know you might have a focus on young families because you you run families programs etc. So that's another another uh, you know we don't want to we don't want to sort of um, not a one size fits smother all smother people's enthusiasm for a certain area that they mm. want to be in and say well you have to have it all but we think across what we've seen that we would love to see more younger people involved more diversity across uh, who we're looking for. And uh, things like, you know, it might be – we sometimes, I think, discount people. We might look at the younger generation and think, oh, they don't look like they're interested or they're busy at uni or uh, they're busy with sport or they don't have much money or, you know, we might look at then families and think, well, they're, they're busy with kids and they're busy – and it's like we, we, we can sometimes as leaders, I think, you know, discount everyone because we just think everyone's busy, busy, busy – But I think we need to kind of um, come at this from a little bit of a visionary perspective and a bit of a faith perspective and go, well, you know what? God called me, God called us, and it might not be the most convenient. Mm. Maybe they won't be uh, necessarily, uh, you know, people will have time limitations. They will have capacity limitations. But that doesn't mean that God God won't have them make space for that. I think we have to choose to believe that. That's, that's great. That's, right, that's what's happened right through history. When that's right. It, it's people. never
0: always been, you know, there's never really been convenient times. And when, when churches have been in convenient situations, is usually when they, they, they suffer. They don't flourish. They flourish when, when it's inconvenient, when it's challenging. Yeah, I, I think, you know, in light of what you're saying there, I think it's important that we do help to pitch to people the why, not just the what reflecting on, you know, I think this podcast probably the, time, the way time's going will focus largely on younger generation. Maybe we can pick up some of the other areas of diversity, older generation and, you know, different ethnicities or different socioeconomic area, maybe in the next episode or something. But, you know, I think what I've had to come to realize is that reaching a younger generation, reaching the younger millennials and the Gen Zs requires, or the Gen Zs, I should say, for those that want to be traditional Australians and Canadians, which <laughs> uh, just. Become Americanized there, but I think that's what they say. Gen Z. Um, I mean, even, even ABC says you can say Z or Z now, it says on the end of the song, so they've obviously, they? yeah, kids' songs on Play, oh, play right. school says X, play Y, school. Z, or Z. What, they say, general yeah, to learn
1: all your we, we, political, correctness. political
0: <laughs> correctness with the young kids, yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, so regardless of whether we're talking about when we're talking about younger, younger millennial age groups, so say, let's say, you know, sub thirty low 30s, and mm-hmm. down, um, the way we the way, if you're looking as a, maybe a Gen Xer like we are or an older millennial, largely the way to reach that younger generation has changed. The way to invite them into ministry has changed. I've listened to so many podcasts. It's a very big popular thing at the moment. Just yesterday I was listening to Preston Sprinkle interviewing uh, uh, the head of the Barna Institute, David Kinnaman, fantastic thinker. And he was specifically saying just this, that what appealed to Gen X's and older millennials does not actually work. In fact, it can be counterproductive in terms of appealing to younger millennials and Gen Z and Gen Z. And, you know, we've seen this even with our oldest daughter being 30 mm. and our youngest son being 21. That 10-year break break has changed society in so many ways. Mm. And so he was David Kinneman was saying that, you know, it used to be that there was even in smaller churches, there were it used to be there were people out there. You could go to to us when we were young Gen Xs. Um, and even, you know, maybe even our 30 year old daughter, Amy at that age too, there was probably a culture of, you just invite them into leadership and leadership Mm -hmm. and influence was something to be, to aspire to. And so you, you just had to ask them and, and that had some wonderful benefits in that. It was easier to find people to run teams and lead and develop and be discipled. Uh, That's the strength of it. There was more people around. I think what we've seen is the downside of that has been that probably where it was unhealthy in times, it became like something to aspire to that maybe measured your success by that. Oh, I've preached in youth or I've done this. I'm I'm that kind of leader. And then that led to maybe people becoming a bit arrogant. Uh, or, or becoming disheartened and when and thinking they've arrived and then suddenly finding life
1: life's hard yeah maybe a bit ambition based mm. and people looking at the charisma and looking at the coolness of it and the lights and the smoke and all the mm. the coolness that seemed around uh some of the leaders that were in front of them and made that, and it was almost like a, a waitlist to get into the into the leadership that's team right. because you yeah. and if you were selected you were really you'd you know, somehow arrived you'd arrived and uh you know that's just not the case so much from what we see in
0: here. uh, Not what we see in here. And that's specifically what David Kinnaman said. He said, in fact, that's the opposite. With the younger millennials and especially the Gen Zs, it's actually the opposite now. There's less of them willing to go into leadership. We're seeing this with younger generation in terms of church pastors. I mean, there's less people wanting to take in pastoral ministry. (coughs) Excuse me. So with that in mind, I think the way to appeal to the younger generation and ask them, because the cause is still the same, the mission of church hasn't changed but we need to be culturally aware that maybe what appealed to us as Gen X's that got us involved actually could be counterproductive when it comes to f- asking those younger people in your congregation to be involved. They're almost pushing back against that because the the fame, so mm. the so-called fame or the influence or the success, that's not appealing. A younger generation are looking for authenticity was the word that he used. Mm. They're looking to see if you're the real deal. They're not interested in all the fluff. No. The younger generation are looking for authenticity. So the way to invite a younger generation or person into a position of influence or into a position of discipleship and and speaking that over them has to be different. And what's required of us as leaders who are exes and older millennials and so on, even boomers, will be different. Mm. It will require us to think differently and act differently and invest at a higher level maybe before we see some of the results in terms of, the willingness to buy into leadership that maybe we would have seen from our generation.
1: Yeah, that's right. The other thing that comes to my mind is, do, do you think that we didn't talk enough about counting the cost and discipleship and we made entry level to these things seem very appealing to, to leadership, seem appealing and seem something to be sought after and something, yeah. and something to, you know, that we had esteem for.
0: Whether it was intentional or not. I think it was
1: happening, and and then we'd rea- people would realize, oh, you know, there's a narrow road here. The this Bible, is flipping hard work. The Bible talks about what you know, the narrow road, and the reality is, we have to be able to lead ourselves, and we have to be able to be to, to, to grow and be discipled. And not and, everyone's going to
0: love every sermon you preach, or every time you lead a team. You're going to have people who disagree with you, and when there was when there was a unhealthy sense of pride or arrogance that tended just to shut people down, which probably fed the culture of disillusionment that we're now living out of is that mm-hmm. we've got to make up some ground that we've make, lost. Well,
1: now we know we have to be prepared to work on our own character uh, somehow that, that maybe was overlooked there for a period of time. So. And we just assumed that would happen by default, but we actually yeah. have to be intentional and work on I know, it. And these
0: are generalizations, but I think, yep. sus, you know, I'm not saying there isn't individual churches or individual mm-hmm. people that did it well, but I think as a generalization, it was probably a culture within the church within the church subculture that wasn't necessarily health, as healthy as we perhaps thought it could have been, and oftentimes what we, what a lot of churches and feedback we've seen is that people became youth leaders, and then they got married and had kids, and suddenly realised that life was going to take more out of them than they thought, and a lot of them got disillusioned, and and uh, then they mm. were sort of oftentimes churches would go, well, there's no space for you anymore because you you don't have availability time you used to have, so that leads to a falling away. And even probably as some degrees led to degrees of deconstruction among the, the millennials. So we want to reach those people, those young millennials, those Gen Zs. So what mm. do we have to do to invite them into the conversation? What's some practicals that we can do?
1: I think uh, developing relationship with them, showing interest in them. I would say... a slow
0: burn, like taking time on yeah, that?
1: Yeah, it's just, uh, it is it is a slow burn. I think, you know, it could be that we intentionally... Uh, you know, set up a, a meeting, invite them in, and you know, have a have a I don't know, have a lunch or have a coffee or do something around, have, get, bring them together with us, letting them know we're interested in their, uh, you know, in, in hearing from them and interested in hearing their perspectives on things and interested in knowing them. And uh, I think, you know, this just comes to mind that they they would probably really like that. But I think, yeah, it's being intentional uh, about about that and, and uh, you know, getting to know their names, getting to know what they're what they're about, I think.
0: I think I'd add to that, the younger generation, it's the whole authenticity thing. I think the younger generation want to know that we're interested in, I've heard this in, uh, conversation a few times on Kerry Newf- Newhoff over the years, the younger generation want a seat at the table. Mm. Um, maybe our generation, we kind of came to the table thinking, well, we're just going to learn from the older generation. Uh, whether, whether, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't want to comment on it, but the fact is younger generation, uh, have been used to having voice and yeah, there's probably some downsides to that, but I think there's some strengths to that too, that actually inviting Mm. them into the conversation, not just downloading information, but saying, Hey, we value your input. We would love to hear your thoughts on what the church needs to do differently. What could Mm. this department do?
1: How could our connect
0: group do, do it differently Mm. to be more applicable I think most young people probably are interested in that kind of conversation and being engaged in that.
1: Yeah, and it's true. I really do want to know what they think. Absolutely. You know, if I'm doing, if we're, we're organising something and we've got a women's event coming up soon and I I know that we have to be intentional. When, I, I, you know, we have to be intentional if we want the young generation involved and, um, you know, talking to them about things like saying, what would you do if, this, if, you know, what would you do for this? What do you think, what would you be interested in? I didn't just make a decision based on just a few people who were like me, well, you know, and I'm saying, yeah. I'm not saying I'm perfect at this, I probably could have done it better. But I think, you know, we hear this all the time in the community sector about, uh, you know, I know we've got to be mindful of, it. we're not a, we're not a committee in the church. We are leader, you know, we are vision directed, but it is good to be consult, what's the word? Consultative.
0: Yeah, consultative, yeah.
1: And uh, kind of, and they love it when you go, you know, what, what would you think if, you know, if we had if we had this happen or if we had this kind of thing or do you think this is a bit old hat? What's your perspective? Because I love, we love uh, for something to feel fresh and something to have uh, enthusiasm and that's what the younger generation brings. Bring it brings a all life, it brings uh, vibrancy, it, it's, um, I know, there's there's atmosphere I think that they, that they bring and we want that. So I want that. So if I have to overcome my own, you know tendencies to do things a certain way, and push through that, and go well. What? Let's. I'm going to put. I'm going. I'm going to invite them to the table, but then I have to let everybody else around the table know. You know what? Let's not shut them down. Yeah. And let's include them, and let's not. You know, because they're not going to want to come back to the table for a second time if they don't feel like no anyone yeah. listened to them or heard them or, you know. And we just talked recently about even our our board. Um, our church board and about inviting, you know, having more diversity. We've talked about been talking about this for a while with our, our church board and our charity board and we are bringing on more, uh, you know, people with different perspectives because we want to have that. We want to hear that. And you know, we're here in Child Protection uh, you know, in Australia about the um, ten national principles and one of the national principles and I'll segue slightly. It's the same principle though. But they talk about, it, hearing you know, from if the you child. want this to be, well, that's another one, but I was going to say if you want – something embedded in culture, this is what they talk about, this is a National Principles for Child Safety, if you want this to be embedded in culture, it has to be at all levels of the organisation. So we can't just say we want to embed having a value for young people in our culture. If
0: it's all being driven by middle-aged white men. But then only have it at, at
1: one level. We have to embed that in all of our conversations, in all of our culture from our board meetings to our team meetings to our staff to our f- what we talk about at the front of the church, to messaging in our advertising and our promo. We have to be thinking about including those kind of things in mm. embedding it in culture so that it comes out. Because, you know, we, we if we, otherwise we, we we get someone who gets up and gives an announcement and totally shuts down, um, you know, what the we just said. The young people or whatever, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> or says, oh, the young yeah. people always do that. You know, it's like, oh, no, they've just totally, yeah. you know, closed down what we've been working towards. So we have to kind of... You know, embed that in culture. But yeah, you're right. Another of the ten principles is hear from the people, hear from yes. young people. Yes. Ask them what they want. Ask them how can we can do this better.
0: So that's interesting. So if we're trying to raise new people, it's like let's say, I'm, let's hypothetically, okay, I'm, I hope set, he, um, heading up a setup team, and I want to get some young people on the setup team as a as a Gen Xer. It's not just hey, I need you on the team and expect them to be involved. It's actually going. You know, this explaining the why, but actually inviting them to the table, maybe shouting them some pizza and saying, mm. hey, can we have a conversation about this? How could we do this better? You know, how, how, how do you think? You, you look around. How do you think you could potentially get your friends involved? So we're hearing from that and being willing to accept that, even if it seems foreign to us or it might not work having some conversations lately just around the way young people communicate on socials and understanding that mm. you know if you invite young people to something they'll be very slow to say they won't come they just won't come because they they're afraid to reach out and and put their head out in the chopping block and say and look oh, I'm like sorry. they're the only look one look like who's they're coming. the only one. So mm. they're just things that are just require mm. a lot of work on our part mm. to think about it. But if we are going to reach a younger generation of people and invite them into teams then we need to do that. And it is in small churches you know one of the biggest challenges in in our churches and in many of the churches i speak to some smaller churches and even mid-sized churches today is it's hard to get young people and youth in youth ministries and young adults ministries happening without that um without a groundswell of young people because they're looking for community. And so you need to kind of find the one or two and invite them and say, I know it's hard right now and I know it's probably easier to go to another church that's got a vibrant youth ministry or got a vibrant young adults ministry. I don't mm. want to discourage that, but find and pray and say, invite them into the conversation. And rather than just say, we want you to run young adults, say, how could, how can we help you? How, how could we inspire you? What could you do? What would you do to get more young adults along? And so then you're in, you're enabling those younger leaders to start to think about it Mm. and giving them permission that's got to be counteracted by discipleship hasn't it there has to be a two-way street why don't we just before we finish off why don't we talk about some of those values around discipleship of young people and teachability of young people so that they don't just we don't want to fall into that trap we had maybe 15 years ago where the young people many times young people didn't the older people could had anything to offer oh they're just outdated and they're Outmoded. I don't think that's where most young people are at today. Mm. I think most people, young people, from what I could see, are interested in listening to Gen Xs if they value and trust that they're authentic. So, how can we turn it around so we hear from people, but we also encourage young people to hear from us and learn from us?
1: Yeah, well, I guess as we're as we're doing that walk with them, we would some of the things that come to mind would be, uh, you know, around humility and. Uh, you know, maybe it's not, again, maybe it's not as much of an issue in this generation as, it, as it maybe it was before, but, you know, there has to be a humility, I think, uh, you know, a, about them or... A teachability. A teachability. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we would want them, uh, we would want to be able to, to see growing in them a genuine concern and love and care for people. And even if they they might be a, an introvert, they might be really quiet. A lot of a lot of people are, you know, a lot of young people are. A lot of a lot of people are. It's you know what we not everyone is a charismatic, choleric outward type person. And I think we we learned a lot more about that in recent decade or so as well about the whole thing of quiet and and uh, how that quiet people are. Uh, you know, if, if you look through scripture, you can see different different temperament types. It's not all what we thought it was. Uh, but yeah, I'd say they have to be open to our direction, and because uh, they do need, they will need a lot of guidance. Anyone young, learning, like we need a lot of guidance. We need a direction. Uh, but I think partnering that with hearing from that, hearing from them, being interested so, okay, in. Okay, so
0: let's talk about maybe as we wrap this one up. Then let's say as a leader, you know, maybe you're a, a Gen X or an older millennial, and you're looking for someone. You see, you see one or two younger. Maybe young Gen Zs, maybe in their late teens, early 20s, and you think, I I think I can work with them. I think there's something on their life. I think there's a call of God for some area of Christian ministry on their life. Can we approach them? So, what I'd be thinking is, Mm. I'd love to approach them and just say and speak that and prophesy that. Pastor Phil always says, you know, you've got to see in people more than they can see in themselves. Yeah. Prophesy. I see this in you. I'm thinking about uh, one young guy that I've been doing this with. You know, I see this in you. Mm. Um, I see the potential for you down the track. I'm not sure if that's what you want, but it could be. Um, and I'd love to hear from you, but at the same time as hearing from you, I'd also love to take the time to invest into you. Would you be open to, you know, me starting to direct you and, and encourage you in areas of your life? So it becomes a genuine relationship, a two-way thing where I can hear from people who I'm discipling, but also there's an expectation. I'm looking for a willingness that they're prepared to be humble enough and teachable enough to go, well, Rowan's got a few runs on the board. Let's Let's learn from Rowan as well. Yeah. It's very hard to lead people who think they know everything. Mm-hmm.
1: Isn't it? Yeah, and one of the things that just comes to mind in that is it's it's challenging to to have uh, to do that. What you're saying with someone who isn't in a role or isn't doing a ta- isn't doing something.
0: Well, they need to be in a you task can, to do
1: it. Yeah, I, I can't think who who says uh, who said this before. I've just, it just came to mind that I've heard someone talk about this. It might be Pastor Phil as well uh, that. You know, unless someone's in – when someone's doing something, you can then say, well, how was that? What did you think? What feedback would you give on, you know, say if they're, they're doing greeting and, you know, you say, okay, well, you know, you're you're running the greeting team. Well, you want to talk to them afterwards and say, you know, talk to them beforehand and give them the briefing of what yep. it's about and then you want to be able to talk to them afterwards, so a brief and a debrief afterwards, and then say, how did you think you went? And then for, for them to – for there to be able to be that openness of, well, for them to, to take your feedback of, well, you know, maybe you could smile a little bit more. But, but you know, but you're saying that from the perspective of… Uh, I believe in you. I believe in you yeah. and, you know, I'm going to walk with you and this is great, it's really great to have you on the team. Like something else just back to what you were, we were talking about earlier as well was that uh, I think they, you know, when you're talking about set-up team or whatever and maybe grab a pizza together, I think having that little mini sense of community… It's great, and I think some of our most successful teams are where you see a community in the community. Yes, where you see, you know, they are, a, they are, they have got each other's backs, and because there will be sometimes when people are going through challenging things, and they might not be able to turn up that week. But if they know, oh, I'm not being discounted, and I'm not being, they're not, I'm not being judged because I didn't turn up because I've got a genuine reason, and you know, you've got a sense of team there. Uh, that that makes all the difference, you know. I can think of someone who, for a period of time, didn't turn up and easily could have been discounted, or you know, just oh, you know, let's. But when the team were interested and said we want to walk with you, and they found out there were some significant things going on, they kept walking with this person. Wonderful. And the turnaround came, and that person, but that young people, if they think, well, they they didn't even show they didn't interest. In me, me up. They I, didn't follow me up. They didn't follow me up. They didn't care that I had stuff going on. They only wanted me to do the job. That that's that lack of won't, authenticity won't
0: win them no that's right they're looking want to for win more people. than that yeah the people who they are is more important than what they do in that mm. development phase you know back to what you were saying there around having people in a role giving them a basic mm. role and having a go you know thinking, yeah. you know giving them whether we think about someone you know you give them a, a stage role do an MC role or whatever and and uh you know it, you, invariably it might not work brilliantly the first time or you give them a, a a team leader role on a sunday say i want you to head up the host team on the mm. sunday or whatever it might be but being able to give them those clear guidelines beforehand, and then you know, I think I've might said this on a previous podcast, but I use it all the time. John Van Keldy uh, has always said, you know, when you're when you're giving asking for feedback, say to them, mm. "What's two things you did yeah. well in one area you can improve?" And I I can honestly say that has been one of the most simple but most profound bits of advice for developing leaders I've ever had, because it does acknowledge them. Uh, It gives them a chance to acknowledge, but oftentimes they'll identify an area where they need to improve that you you don't need to identify with them. You can just assert that and say, yeah, you're right, but let's work on that. Mm. Uh, But it's also kind of like it's not all just you giving negative feedback. You're actually in a position to be able to – because most people will do two things well and one thing they need to improve. Yeah,
1: that's right. and uh, Yeah, I like that. Strengths-based, strengths-focused. Yeah. Uh, But I think there is also – there needs to be in all of us and and, and definitely with younger people – that willingness to work on themselves. If they are saying, "Well, no, I didn't agree. Don't agree with you there. I thought I did a great job," and they, there's pushback and there's reluctance to uh, be open to, to, you know, to grow and to uh, and to receive that um, feedback from you. when you are intentionally growing, developing a relationship with them as well, I think then that you know that can be a little bit more of a challenge. So I think having Well,
0: I would go further and say that, you know, th- this will sound harsh, but it's it's a reality that if a person is not open to feedback, you can't work in d- in the long term with that person. It's not tenable mm. because uh you're in you're basically you've got nothing I feel like going, well, this is all I've got to offer you. Mm. If you don't think this is going to help you, I can't. I've got nothing else to offer. And I'm not here to be led by you. I'm here to support you and lead you, but you need to be willing to do it. And it's a breath of fresh air when you have a person. I don't. I don't agree with every bit of positive, every bit of constructive feedback that I receive from my leaders either. Is that there are things where I go, okay, but I'm going to not push back. I want to be a person who doesn't push back. I want to be a person that says, "Thank you. I'm going to take that under advisement and think about it," and uh, and then say, "Is there anything else?" You know, having that attitude is. If you're a young person listening to this, if you can have the "Is there anything else?" attitude, if you can go. I, maybe my my leader is old and maybe my leader is <coughs> outdated and maybe they'll miss a few things. That's fine. I understand they might not understand what it's like to be a Gen Z, but I also realise they were young once too. So I'm going to benefit from listening to some of it and not dismiss it straight away. Mm-hmm. If we can have that attitude and then lean in and say, so I, I want to learn, it's easy to let some of the stuff they might say that might not be right just pass you by because you're leaning in and wanting to learn. Yeah. The moment you push back on everything, there's no room for growth there, and mm-hmm. as as a leader, I have learned because you know, as a leader of people who've been like that of all generations, I have learned the hard way many times, and I'm sure we all have. There comes a point at which that's not that's not sustainable. But mm-hmm. if we're a people person, we generally believe in the best in people. We'll keep going and keep going and keep going, but eventually it gets to a point where you go, I just don't think this is sustainable. Oftentimes they'll they'll vote with their feet or whatever and be upset, but we have to get comfortable with the fact that, in all honesty, we've done everything we can. We need to find the few people who may, maybe don't have the ability, because a because uh, an available spirit, a, a, a leaning in spirit, a teachable spirit, uh, you can you can teach ability. You can't teach that. That's mm. sort of often there. You can instruct it and say, "This is what's important." And I'm talking to you, young people now. If you have that spirit, you, people who are older than you will snap you up like gold, and they will invest yeah. into you.
1: I think it does need to be a, a level of respect. As while we while we respect them, they they respect yeah. us. And uh, you're right; we do need to be able to work together. And even in you know certainly in in Australia now with volunteering, or you know we have in, in New South Wales as volunteers uh, in in church and in in, in charity in our charity, uh, you know they are treated similarly mm. to staff. Mm. So, don't let that discourage. Don't let that make you think, "Oh, I don't want to. I can't have any volunteers because that's you know, there's all this responsibility around treating them like a staff member." But but I think around, I think it's a good thing. But I think around that area of uh, of respect, it it can may come to a point where it's like, "Well, we mutually respect one another." However, there has to be a this you know, this isn't
0: working. This relationship isn't working.
1: Yeah, an agreement that look, this is probably you know not the best thing for for you right now, and uh, and that that's part of because we have to think about the whole the vision of the whole organisation as well.
0: And that's hard in a small church when you're struggling to find people anyway, but Mm -hmm. I can honestly say from experience it's worth making that call sooner rather than later. Not in a harsh way, but just just an understanding that it's better to shut down that ministry or not do that thing Mm -hmm. than to keep trying to prop something up with someone who isn't willing to come to the party. Because what's happening all the while is that there are other good raw Raw talent out there, young people. They might even be in high school, you know, who you can just take a bit more of an approach to, and go. I'm okay, going. I'm going to invest into these younger people who are really hungry to learn and grow. And the older I get, it might sound cynical, but I just feel like the older I get, the less patience I've got with <laughs> with spending time with people who don't want to be spent. I because when I do that, I'm 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 discounting the beautiful people out there who are hungry to learn. So I've just got to find that. I mean, I, this is Jesus principle. It, mm. You know, don't it sounds harsh, but Jesus said, don't. Three pearls before swine. And what he's really saying is you've got pearls, you've got wisdom, you've got experience as a leader. You need to invest it the right way. And a pastor said to me many, many years ago, you've got all the time to invest and no time to waste. And I think as a, as a leader at any level of life, be thinking that, thinking who have I got in my world? that may not have all the talent, but they're teachable. They're people who are, are willing to draw out of me, not just have me have to download it to them, but they draw out, they're hungry to learn. They're the people you're looking for. And if you've got one or two of those, you can change your church. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's wrap up there. All
0: right. So next one, we're going to talk more about. Continue
1: this theme a little bit more into who are we looking for?
0: Yeah. So Who are we looking for? All right. We'll we'll talk to you on the next episode, everyone. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ministry Matters podcast. Hey, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you or you think it could be to others, we'd be so grateful if you'd share it with your friends on the socials. So before you head back into your day, if you could take a moment to like our Facebook and Instagram pages and share them with your friends, that would be awesome. You can find us by searching at Ministry matters Podcast, or one word. And one last thing that just helps the podcast algorithm to work for us, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a minute to rate and review our podcast be sure to click that follow button wherever you listen to your podcast, so every new episode will be loaded straight to your device. For those of you watching on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button and ring the bell so you know when a new episode drops. All the links you need are in the show notes. So thanks so much for being with us today and we look forward to talking to you in the next episode.